our second annual Oscar Omnibus, and we're going to be talking about all of the Best Picture nominees. Well, not all of them, just the ones that we feel like talking about. Sitting with me today, from about 500 miles away, Adam Myros. Hello, Steve. Hey, hey, remember last year when we had some fun insights and uh, this stretch for like two hours? And yeah, I I don't think that's going to happen this year. No, it's not going to happen this year because uh, I think we had some things to talk about, and this year I got to say... Boy, we got a lot of bland-ass shit. This is the plain oatmeal of Oscars. <laughs> also sitting in with a, on, I'm doing it again. I can't say sitting with us today from also 500 miles away, Sean Glynis. Hey, Steve. I'm really glad that you called me today. How's your family? My family's great. How's yours? I <laughs> uh, don't know. Yeah, that's that's because you've given up on life and you're drinking wine from a box. The big green box, nonetheless. <laughs> Why are you drinking boxed wine? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> so when I sh- when I show up to a dinner party, mm-hmm. I bring good beer and good wine, and um, I did that a week ago. And the people that I brought it to aren't air quotes drinkers. Ooh. Uh, so after I left, they gave me all the leftovers. So I I came home with half a case of beer and uh, most of a bladder of wine in a box called big green box (laughs) that's very exciting well good for you now you're drunk on a monday uh sitting on my face from probably like 1500 miles away jake's here hey how you doing adam i love that baked potato joke you made last year it killed that's good (laughs) that's like that's probably our our most iconic joke i would say as yeah, far as uh, podcasts can be iconic when no one listens. Yeah, uh, I just want to preemptively uh, tell everyone they're going to be disappointed. Cause I got nothing. You got nothing? Got nothing. No? <laughs> Tom, Tom Hanks isn't like a chicken nugget or anything? Yeah. Aris, I, you should put that in your Twitter bio. <clears throat> I made that baked potato joke about boyhood last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that'd it's be good. on my fucking tombstone. Oh, yeah. That, that, no, that'll look great on your CV. Just that and size 72 font. <laughs> <laughs> be wonderful uh and hey coming all the way from louisville by way of ireland and straight it's into louisville. our hearts louisville sorry my bad louisville. Uh, you, you gotta do more like you had a stroke oh <laughs> like you can't move like half your face it's not louisville louis oh oh no louis vile <laughs> that's good that'll work that'll work okay like great you, you have to you have to say it like you have shingles like you have shingles? What does that sound like? Like your, your face, face is burning because you have a rash? Yeah. Like you're itchy and you're achy. That's that's where we're going with this. Oh Jesus! You know there was a girl at at my work and she she sat behind me like in the the cube directly behind mine and she had shingles so I moved my desk. Does that make me a bad person if I move like a hundred feet away from her because she had disgusting shingles? No, I'd say I'd say it would. If you if she had rickets, I'd say yeah. But okay. shingles, no. You get a pass on that. I don't know. I was just afraid she was gonna like lean over my cube and like rub her face on my shoulder or something. <laughs> so Wait, how, Jim, uh, she's gonna Jim carry you? Yeah. 
Uh, well, how old is this person? Doesn't don't, don't like sixty-five year olds get fucking shit? I don't know. She she's probably thirty. I don't know. She's not that old. Wow, that's that's no, it good. Depends. You have to get if you don't get chicken pox, then you get shingles. Mm-hmm. That's that's like the rule. So. Maybe she's like an anti-vaxer. I'm not sure. So, did we oh, say who was from Louisville? No, oh, it's it's me, Jack. I'm from Louisville. We we have to talk about shingles. Who cares what his name is? It's just it's Lewis yeah. Vile. This is Lewis no, Vile. This, this is gold, Jake. Don't let it stop. Don't don't interrupt. <laughs> Which Oscar nominated film is most like shingles? Um <laughs> you know, that's a good question. I think that's a good way to lead. Um You know wait, 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 wait. is the worst? Yeah. Is the worst affliction the worst plural affliction AIDS? We can probably agree on that. But what's second? Number two? Yeah. Um, would it be like behind AIDS? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, AIDS isn't really plural. It's. Uh, I feel like it I didn't is. study enough for this 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 podcast. <laughs> it's autoimmune deficiency syndrome. There's this not like syndromes. I mean, like it's HIV thanks, Myros. That, that moves in <laughs> but you end. never say AIDS is. Right. Yeah. Okay, so what's first then? Um, I'm gonna go with hantavirus because you're gonna die, but also you bleed out of your eyes. But that's virus? not plural. It's you got virus. He's talking about it has oh, to be a plural. Oh, it has to be a plural disease that's terrible, like shingles. Oh, not shingles. Shingles, AIDS, uh, measles, measles. There you go. Measles, rickets, <laughs> mumps, uh, mumps, mumps. Is Ooh, the shits a diagnosed disease? that is the big question of our time okay well speaking of the shits um there's there's a couple of these movies that are on the best picture nomination list that i did not watch and i don't think there's anything in the world that you can do to make me watch these movies and number one at the top of that list is tom hanks superimposed on a poster in front of an american flag and a russian flag Philadelphia. Philadelphia, yes, exactly. (laughs) Bridge of Spies. Why? uh, All I've heard is terrible things, which, by the way, you guys really blew it. You should have told me it was great, and then I would have sat through it and gotten really pissed off, so you screwed that up. I can give give you the positive rundown of the film. All right, Um, yeah, give me me the good stuff. Give me the good stuff. Tell tell us about Dad's The Motion Picture, please. Yeah, here's here's, here's (laughs) as positive a spin as I can put in. For the first 55 minutes, Bridge of Spies isn't totally boring and then it continues <laughs> that that's pretty accurate like is it, it, it it like leaves you wishing it was a fucking courtroom drama is it better oh, is Jesus. it better than the good german uh no because at that. least the good german looks okay because it's Soderbergh. Yeah. well and this is this is a steven spielberg movie too yes which it is, is yeah. Which means, uh. and part of the problem, because then it continues, and then it just starts doing these visual rhymes to remind us how, like, guess what, like, communism's bad, and America is free, but America's not perfect, and America's a little like Israel, which also isn't perfect, and uh, makes you think, but not too hard, so run end credits. Oh, and that's, Lord. Kind of, that's kind of the film. That's uh, a lot. It's got, it's got it all the depth of a, of a children's play it pool. It is, Janus, yeah. yeah. Now... What so this this is basically like this is a political thriller for people who think the terminal is the greatest movie ever made? Oh God. Is Wait, is Jake, that Jake, you liked it, didn't you? Bridge of Spies? Yeah. Um I didn't really have I'm kinda ambivalent about it. Um I agree with Jack, the first hour is decent. And I, in fact the first five minutes I would say are actually really compelling. And if the whole film 
remained a courtroom drama where Hanks kind of has to defend the, this um, Russian spy in a, you know a post World mm-hmm. War II America. That would have been made for a better movie, but it you know it he continues Spielberg continues, and it's really you can just sum it up. It's Spielberg on autopilot. It's, there's really nothing fascinating. Wait, so about it. is it better or worse than War of the Worlds? Because that's like. That, I guess that's my litmus test for autopilot Spielberg. I'm, I'm pretty sure War of the Worlds was shorter. Um, <laughs> yeah, and had more spectacle. I mean, this had basically... Tim Robbins. Yeah, yeah. How much? Yeah. How much Dakota Fanning screaming is in Bridge of Spies? <laughs> who knows? Uh, who knows enough. where they sampled the sounds when they were shooting people? Oh God. <laughs> okay, so it's comparable. So, in other words, I never have to see this movie. No. If you, if you never see it, it will probably never come up in conversation after Oscar season. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the trick Some, I pulled with Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> sounds more like uh, Bridge of Snores. Am I right, guys? Yeah. I was I was trying to think of a way to sort of weave like Renee Zellweger dating movie into it so it could be Bridge Cold of Mountain? Spies Diary. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I couldn't do anything with that, though. So, yeah, this is, I think, Marius, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Anybody remember Lincoln? No, they don't. The only thing I remember about Lincoln is uh, my friend grew a big beard so he could be an extra. And so you can see him in one shot of Lincoln. Just I had a friend who did that for Vikings. So, yeah. Okay. Hey, there you go. That's a thing now, apparently, growing a beard and being an extra. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I will say uh, I didn't like this movie at all. But the uh, it's up for uh, supporting actor for Mark Rylance, who I believe plays the... Uh, prisoner of war that he's defending uh, in the first portion of the movie, and and he's quite good at it. I wouldn't be too heartbroken if, if he got some recognition. But other than that, fuck that movie. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> why, Rylan's why guys, a good job. Why, why do you guys think it was nominated for Best Picture? Because he did a fit ten slots, and they can only do eight, so they gave Spielberg a, a pass. Yeah, I feel it's it's a very odd, like it's it's just one of those movies that tells you it's important enough times that if you're of a certain mentality you'll believe it's important okay um which i think is kind of like if spielberg's not the best at doing that i'm like he's pretty near the top of the pile uh the guy who directs uh, the danish girl which didn't get a best picture nomination which kind of amazes me even though the danish girl is terrible tom holland is the director isn't he um the, he's similar director just someone who will Remind you throughout the film that this is very important. Oh God! Without really doing anything, like the Danish Girl to me was like it was a film that, uh, like you know, showed everything and examined nothing. And Bridge of Spies is a little better than that, but not by that much. There, there's yeah. also this kind of old Hollywood throwback style to the Bridge of Spies that probably pleased many of the older Academy voters. So that's probably what helped get it in the door. Well, it's I, true. Well, though if, if, you, if you're fueled that way, I would recommend just pulling up Shutter Island again. Oh, God. <laughs> well, it's always a good idea. I, I, I kind of see there's, there's this weird... Uh, okay, so here's my theory on Bridge of Spies, even though I've never, I haven't seen it. I think it got nominated because if you look at the posters for each of the movies that were nominated, I'd say a good half of them are just white people staring at you. <laughs> and if you look at the poster for The Martian, The Revenant, and Bridge of Spies, and you just line them up next to each other, you you could you would assume they're from the same movie. Like they just <laughs> wow, and that that makes me think of something else. Like a good portion of these movies, or like more than usual, are like super monosyllabic. Like The Room, The Revenant, and Mad Max, and The Martian are all like super. 
I feel we should clarify that it's just room. The room is a <laughs> yeah. different experience. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. I was. I, I watched the wrong one. <laughs> so, um, I uh, want to talk yeah. about the whole like like the the big metaphor with uh, you know Tommy Wiseau playing football on the rooftop with uh, Steve. We're trying Benny. to be serious. Here. I, you know, I'm trying to. So is he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't, you don't but, have respect for Tommy if Wiseau. About, if we if we talk about Room, Mad Max, The Martian, and The Revenant. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess you could argue spotlight, but that's kind of discourse heavy. But like, those are all like about people who are, like I said, monosyllabic, like not forthcoming in a lot of information. Like the Martian, I guess, like he like talks a lot, but like at the same time, there's a lot of silent, like castaway type stuff. Sure. Yeah. No. Mostly on his own for most yeah. of the film. But then when it gets silent, it just throws in a, a pop or a disco song. And it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, or and David Bowie. Yeah. Well, you got to have your Bowie, man. Come on, you got to cash in on that. Yeah, ABBA for life. <laughs> oh Jesus! When we went out for Steve Coleman's birthday the other day, uh, there was there was karaoke at the bowling alley where we were getting really drunk, and it was just a bunch of shitty people just singing David Bowie songs again? over and over again. No, unfortunately, I didn't. They didn't earn it that night. It was just <laughs> shitty David Bowie endlessly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I think Sean, you made you made a good point there in between me talking about Tommy Wiseau. Uh, but what does <laughs> that mean? I don't I don't really know. I don't know either. I, you know, maybe it just speaks to like broader trends in film. But I don't I, I don't know what it speaks to necessarily. Uh, dialogue is dead. Dialogue's dead. Everybody should just be Tom Hardy and Mad Max and just grunt. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Uh you know. So Bridge of Spies, I'm not gonna bother. Now, no, don't do that. No. Okay, let's let's go to movie number two that I don't know if I should bother or not. And Brooklyn, what do I do with Brooklyn? I, I look at Brooklyn. Brooke? I watch the trailer for Brooklyn. Nothing about Brooklyn says Steve um, Cuff will enjoy this. I'll, okay, you, you go, Sean. Brooklyn, more like Boren. <laughs> Is that, that that's that's the best you have? That's it. no. Okay, so <laughs> D minus. So, hey, hey Jack, Jack, can you pronounce um, the lead actress's name? Sir I can pronounce Ronan. it. Okay. Say it again, please. Sir Sharonan. Sir Sharonan. Um, so, apart from her, um, <clears throat> I guess her in general, but mainly her wardrobe, I was nonplussed. I wasn't. I, I wasn't um, one side or the other on the spectrum. I was just sort of like, this is a movie, and it's not bad, and it's kind of charming, but. I think most of the charm for me came from her wardrobe, which was spectacular. Fair is, enough. Is it up for costume design or production design? I think it might be. Let's I'll check. I'll, I'll check. I'll check. I have the All list right. in front of me. Just I can scroll one way down to that category. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's not up for costume design. Ooh, well, well, I guess they don't they don't treasure high waisted pants as much as I do. I guess. There you go. <laughs> it's not I'm, up for I'm, gonna, I'm probably yeah. I may be the exception to this one. For me. And I'm as surprised as anyone to say this. I was not expecting. Yeah, this. yeah. Brooklyn I'm, I'm is for for me. Brooklyn is by far and away the best film up for Best Picture this year. I don't, why? Why? I don't, okay, and the reason why? And okay, this is this is speaking as an Irish person who moved <laughs> to the U.S., uh, who knew relatives who uh, had relatives who moved to the U.S. many many years ago and knew they were never going to see him again, etc. So I mean. There's that element, which, I mean, that's fair enough as I can relate to it on that story. But I think the film taps into a much more universal theme of homesickness, 
of social expectation. I mean, this is like I was sitting in the middle of this thing, going, "Oh, this is a little like Tarkovsky's nostalgia, only a little bit, a little bit more story driven." But huh. that's not that was not an expectation I was set to make, and I really liked the way that the film kept a positive focus on the the romance. I mean, it, it ends quote unquote happily, but there's just a huge font of sadness and problems and issues left behind that the film knows it can't solve and just leaves there and a lot of viewers will probably forget about them because of the big rousing finale but honestly it's it's a film that uncovers a lot of troubling ground uh, you know a lot of difficult ground about identity about basically losing your homeland leaving your homeland uh, mm. trying to make it new and i mean the, and the weight again of social expectation of uh Basically, I mean, she went back to Ireland and Ireland tried to drag her back down, take her back down a peg or two, you know, which Ireland is awesome for. Did you read the Colm Tobin book? I have not. My my wife has, and she actually says that the film is better than the book, which oh, wow. is surprising. The other thing I really liked about the film, I really did think that some of the dialogue was. I mean, the, the dinner table dialogue, I just thought was fantastic was just really funny was really um kind of cute and engaging i just it just it was a film that really it worked really really well for me to the point where uh i'll say i was watching in cinema and one of my contacts just contact lens just disengaged and i watched most of the movie with uh with one eye closed and i was oh, still now we're getting <laughs> to it i was wrapped <laughs> I, I the only issue i would have with actually is visual issue um which I felt that the director's the director's um, structuring. He uses a very obvious kind of pictorial structure of starting in a grey, dark Ireland and moving to a bright, kind of wider screen panorama of of, of New York because it's so big, and then goes back to a uh, brighter Ireland. Which the titular Brooklyn. <laughs> yes, the titular Brooklyn, <laughs> the eponymous Brooklyn of this this. Thing. That's so but, funny. That's so funny because the um, the AV Club write up of Brooklyn that appeared this week used the term the titular borough. <laughs> the titular borough. There you go. <laughs> so um, yeah, like honestly, for me, I, and I'll say flat out, I think Brooklyn is the best film in the Oscars right now, out of all oh, of wow. the ones I've seen. And and again, not something I was expecting. I think it's a film though that is it may require a certain degree of identification. You know, I'm I'm not sure. Like, I'm I don't think you have to be Irish to enjoy it. I don't think that at all. But I think maybe there has to be a certain question to be raised in terms of moving around of what you're looking for in the world, and maybe depending on background and so on, it might. I don't know. It 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 has that kind of a vibe to it for me. But I think it's a film that very skillfully opens up some questions and then just as skillfully doesn't shut them down or resolve them in too easy a fashion. It's a little cutesy in places, but I think it it navigates it really well. Huh. I'll have to watch this again because I felt like I can identify like sort of the seeds of what you're talking about, but I felt mm-hmm. like there was such a sheen over it that um, sort of distanced me from feeling the ways that you felt. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a sheen, but I like I feel that's again that's kind of that that period design. Period design seemed to be a big thing. I mean, it's always yeah. a big thing. The Oscars. I mean, Carol, uh, Brooklyn, Bridge of Spies, all of them was kind of like look how old timey we can make it remember when <laughs> films were beautiful not like they are now except for this one I don't, it's a weird argument they have other people were like oh <laughs> digital is the worst and then they download movies at 
Terrible. Except that's <laughs> tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah. you well, go ahead, Myros. I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt you. Oh yeah. Well, since you haven't seen it, I suppose I'll interject. Uh, I would say since our tastes probably hew closest together, I'm going to go ahead and say it's worth a watch. I got a lot out of it that Jack is describing uh, with more eloquence than I'm able to muster for sure. But uh, it's just. I mean, there's a lot of universality to the themes. I think it, it does kind of more so than just being well. A, it's quite a pleasant love story, and B, it just it does speak to that sort of pull of home uh, for anyone who's really moved away and and uh, kind of it, the, there is a certain lure to going home and and feeling like it's the place you belong and. It, it, there is, but I suppose it didn't really resonate with me the way Jack it did for Jack. But it, it, I could recognize it, and I thought it was very effective, and it was just a very pleasant film for me. Sure. Well, hey, Jack I, mentioned. Oh, Jake, you you want to talk about this one too? I, yeah, you know what? I'm going to back both of them up. I think Brooklyn is one of the better films to be nominated you know what? for anything. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Whoa, hey, Sean. You know, I figured a guy like you. You know, you're a romantic at heart, and we do the rom com on podcast together. And Ooh, good I think this would, movie would be right up your alley. But mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know. Maybe just you weren't having He's, a good you know, day, Mr. Hoity Toity over there with his bladder of wine. He's just you can't be <laughs> it's, bothered it's with a, a movie like a, Brooklyn. It's I. It's a very sweet film. The it love is, story is. is is very very nicely told. It's very witty at parts. It does. It never never gets to be like too overly saccharine, which I was worried about. It I agree. Meant moments, mm-hmm. but I think it's well worth a watch. And I think I think Jack summed it up very nicely. There's a lot to take mm-hmm. away from it. It's not just a. Uh, just a regular old movie. There's Jay, don't disagree. On. I don't disagree with most of those points, Jake. Like, I think it's a sweet movie, but mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> like, we're talking about the Oscars, which I mean, I, I, we're, we're not going to give a whole lot of credence to like that pedigree, but like, we're talking about like what are supposed to be the best movies of the year, and um, when I watched it, like, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, this is a sweet movie, and it's also for me forgettable. Hmm. Well, do you think it's as sweet as that white zin you're sucking on right now? It's Pinot Noir, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, when Jack was was talking about Brooklyn, he mentioned Tarkovsky's nostalgia. So was, was that, that? Oh, that was after I fell asleep. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So are, are you ready? Are you ready for the uh, the the segue yeah, of the yeah, century explain here? Explain more about this because I don't I don't get that. So. Why don't we talk about a movie that tries to rip off Tarkovsky in the worst way humanly possible? <laughs> Let's talk about the Revenant, guys. Can we please? I was. What's the deal like with Bear Ripping off Herzog like at all cost. Yeah. Well, you know, little column A, little column B. It's just, it's just like he's he's just screaming into the camera. With, you know, only natural light. I'm bleak. This is a good movie. Yeah. Oh Lord. I I've never been bludgeoned by a film so much in my entire Myra, life. Myros. Uh, this at the same time separately and i i believe uh Myros's text was something like um you remember how <laughs> you remember how like satisfying aguirre and fitzgeraldo were like the despair and like klaus Kinski, like yeah that was nice <laughs> yeah it's it has the same pacing as a herzog film but it doesn't have anything building the entire time just nothingness is there's, it, there's no soul no, and it actually kind of made me hate uh, Lubezki too, because I was just like, "Put the fucking camera down, man!" This but he's got to get those blood spurts, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I I hated the Revenant. I 
and I am a again. I I I like Inuri too generally, but I thought this movie was terrible and boring and just, oppressive and awful. I don't. I don't. I mean, I can see why it's here because of you know, like ooh, it was really hard to make, and ooh, look at how much Leonardo DiCaprio had to suffer, and it's you know so bleak and depressing. But it's like when you really get down to it, when you get past like the difficulty that the people involved went through. It's not great. Like, you know, you mentioned Herzog. Like, yeah, okay, so he literally pushed a boat up a mountain. That's pretty cool. Okay, so, But besides that, that, it's a good movie, you know, speaking, whereas The Revenant doesn't. to that, though, mm-hmm. so uh, there's this perfect sort of, like, um, comparison between the two where, yeah, Fitzgeraldo, um, the characters pull a boat over a mountain, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene very early on in The Revenant where all they have to do the smaller crew indeed, but they all they have to do is carry Leo DiCaprio over a hill and like <laughs> nine dudes can't do it. And they had to like settle for something else. And I was like, this is so such a perfect little like microcosm of what this movie is in compared to Fitzcarraldo or anything <laughs> that Herzog has ever done. It's like, oh we can't do it. Let's find something else to do. I say like take the film surrounding the actors out of it for a second but if you like slotted dicaprio into aguirre uh would it be a- anywhere near as compelling no he doesn't have no. that madness it's that's just, true yeah, that's a good point i don't know man that was just oh god i that and that this was a problem for me too because after i sat through that i was like okay i need to be more selective about what i'm watching because i can't <laughs> <laughs> if this is what this is, I can't watch. You know, so you didn't like it either, Steve. No, it it didn't do anything for me. Did it anybody? Did anybody like it? I liked parts, but it's it's not a good movie. When I was yeah, I, I was look really looking forward to seeing it too, and it just kind of watching down and watching it, and I'm just it I, it felt like Inurito is kind of repeating a lot of bad tricks that he did with Birdman. Especially with the opening is a lot of uh, unbroken long takes and and I'm sure. like is is you really don't have much more to say do you I'm just sitting there thinking and all it's just violent and um but nothing really exactly compelling about it and yeah, yeah the, the Dicar- only thing DiCaprio outside is of a far cry from Kinski sorry go ahead no yeah the only thing outside of the bear attack that was interesting to me is when he was like wearing the the bear fur trying to hide from like these natives that are on the same trail as him and he like is hiding in these like sort of like mini coves. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, man, this reminds me of shutter Island and I wish I was watching shutter Island. That's that's a sentence you probably never thought you'd say. I wish I was watching Shutter Island. Yeah, this what is, is that? The running theme of this podcast? Go watch fucking Shutter Island. I, I beg to differ. Do not fucking watch Shutter Island. Oh, Shutter no, don't Island do that to yourself. Pretty solid, actually. Why, why does everyone suddenly like Shutter Island? What, what's happening in the world? I don't know. Is Jack dead? Did he throw uh, up? No, no. I'm I am actually just back. I was called away by by forces beyond my control. But okay. I am <laughs> like All forces right. of nature, as forces, in the movie we're forces, currently discussing. <laughs> Dark nature. Which which what movie are we currently just? Going well, okay. Through? Which which movie is uh, kind of like the having Revenant. a massive bowel movement in the woods? Oh yeah, that would be the Revenant. It would um, a very slow <laughs> bowel movement with a lot of grimacing. <laughs> Did you oh see God! The- oh, I I I've got to admit. Okay, first off, I have almost nothing positive to say about the Revenant. Uh, Perfect. Uh, fo- honestly, honestly, as far as I'm concerned, if 
if Leonardo DiCaprio wins a Best Actor Oscar for his performance, he's basically set the bar way too high for future reality TV contestants because that's all <laughs> he did. It's pretty much just stand in the cold, eat raw meat, someone yeah. throw shit at him, whatever. Amazing performance, Leo. Um, but I did have the optimal theater experience with it, which was that I watched the movie with two. 40-something-year-old women sitting about three seats over from me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> every time something violent happened, they go like, oh, my God, or oh. And it was, you know, so basically what I call the, the kind of middle-aged lady audio commentary, which really helped. It really made it a lot easier. And I was going to say the ultimate uh, theater experience would be if someone uh, accidentally set the playback to like double speed. But then I guess Lubezki's <laughs> camera work would have made you fucking seasick. <laughs> that would have been great. It would have been like a little uh, little segment from the Munsters or something where they just run everything at twice the speed. I What's say, even? Uh, go ahead, Jack. I, I was just, like Lubezki's. I think it's his like his cinematography is clearly it's the best actor. It's the whole movie basically is his his cinematography. And yeah. I just don't, like, I always feel like they could have just put Christmas music over it and just keep the actors <laughs> out and just run it on Netflix, you know, or if you've got the crackling fireplace, you could have yeah. the wintry forest. Exactly. It's a new Yule oh, Law, man. That'd make yeah, millions. That, just give Lubeski a camera, camera and have him walk around a mountain for an hour. That, that, um, that sort of, like, crystallizes the whole, I guess, my biggest takeaway from that movie is that, like, I got nothing from it, like, emotionally. Like, it's, it's a revenge tale for yeah. two and a half hours, but it is just a revenge it's tale. It's just a revenge tale. There's there's nothing else. There's nothing else nuanced about it. We and we mentioned Tarkovsky and Herzog, but he's also starts to channel Terrence Malick with these irritating oh, yeah. dream sequences oh. that are peppered throughout the film. And I was yeah. like, enough, please. Yeah. I feel oh. like that's a. Is that? Do you guys think that's like a Lubeski like uh, symptom though? I think so. I want to say that this probably goes back to when he shot The Tree of Life, because when that came out, I remember it looking amazing and unlike anything I yeah. had seen. And now all movies look like The Tree of Life yeah. now because he shoots them that way. Right. So it's not necessarily like something we should take fault with. It's just sort of there. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just... And the sad thing is I really think this film's going to win Best Picture. I'd, oh, say, I'd say it's a front runner. It has yeah. to be. Yeah, Which I is ridiculous. Mad oh. Max is so much better. God. Yes. If Mad Max won Best Picture, that would be like the ultimate game changer. I don't. I'd have to take my article down. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what are we going to talk about next? Well, we should probably talk about the other white guy is isolated in a bleak place movie, right? Please not spotlight. Room? <laughs> spotlight. <laughs> what is uh, I was going to go with the Martian here. I was going to go with the Martian. <laughs> You're no, the I professional. Just, <laughs> pick me up when we talk about the big short. The big short? Uh, we're talking about the Martian, I'd assume? So yeah, Martian. The, uh, Martian's the that, one. That seemed the likely segue. I gotta admit, okay, um, Ridley Scott for me is, I've kind of dubbed Ridley Scott the, the like, he's the master of resplendent mediocrity. He's a man <laughs> who can, he can just spend obscene amounts of money to produce films that are just really, really middling and dull. Um, oh, yeah. And I, was, and I went into The Martian, and I was expecting a film that was really just going to be dull, basically. Kind of big-looking, and but just dull. And I was actually I was quite impressed. I actually quite enjoyed it. I, it loses shape towards the end, where it becomes more of a, like a space adventure. But for the first part of the film, it really is kind of about... It's more about 
man than about space. It's more about man's drive to succeed, to surpass odds, to plan with science. It's kind of like a cool, you know, like, hey, science is, you know, science is how we do this stuff. It's not just gung-ho crazy heroes shooting off into space doing ridiculous stuff. I mean, it's about knowing stuff and being smart, which, you know, it's, it's kind of a message that's lost in a lot of films because they mostly focus on space marines with giant guns shooting mm. aliens, you know, and, <laughs> and, and the technology aspect is like creating a computer virus out of a Coke can you hacked and uploading it into the mothership and secret, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's, it's nonsense. So the fact that The Martian had a pretty solid... I, I, I can't vouch that the science is accurate, but the science is front and center for a lot of the film is, I think, you know, kind of pleasant and in, an interesting element to the film. Like I say, though, towards the end, it definitely it runs too long, and the, la- the mm. end of the film, it just becomes a big space adventure rescue, and it's like, uh, this is just too samey. I, I didn't, I actually didn't see The Martian um, because I saw Interstellar, and I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm done, I'm done. I can't, I can't yeah, do this yep, movie yep, anymore. Yep. And I thought this was going to be that again. But, I, I yeah. feel, because uh, The Martian was written by Drew Goddard, who, I think he did Cabin in the Woods, and Super 8 and a few other films and I actually had that thought that Drew Goddard he's like I'm not a huge fan of sort of like Cabin in the Woods per se but it's not bad but it's like at least Drew Goddard has a sense of humor and The Martian has a sense of humor and I was thinking unlike Christopher Nolan's film where he has to like have a robot that has a programmed sense of humor yeah uh, you know oh maybe you just look up with a human I, I, I totally pick up what you're saying, and I agree. Like, yes, at least The Martian has a sense of humor. I mean, it did win the Golden Globe for Best Comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that was a uh, bit of a stretch, but yeah. Yeah, yeah um, but uh, I also feel what you're saying, Steve, about like um, Interstellar. It's it's not Interstellar. It's not that terrible. But at the same time, what I'm hearing – and I, I watched The Martian, um, but uh, what I'm hearing like – for a case for the Martian is like, mm-hmm. hey, guess what, guys? It's not as bad as Interstellar, and that's it. <laughs> that I mean, yeah, that's that's fair because I mean, I don't know. I feel like Interstellar tried to put the science in the forefront as well, but again, maybe because Christopher Nolan uh, doesn't have any emotions, exposition. yeah, and he's never had an erection, and he just, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I don't know. But all, I will, I will actually died before his first erection. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, this fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not discuss fucking Interstellar, please. It gives me a headache. Yeah, God. you. Do you want to talk about Shutter Island? Yeah. <laughs> if Interstellar what? gives you a headache, it's only because you're not smart enough to understand Christopher Nolan's vision he explained to you. <laughs> it's true. I'm too dumb for Interstellar. That's true. It's it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Oh god, I, I like how the, the the basic like the basic thrust of this podcast is here's all the best picture nominees. I saw like three of them, so now convince me to watch the others or not. <laughs> yeah, when somebody so a coworker of mine was like asking me today, she she goes, "Why didn't you like Interstellar?" And I basically was like, "I didn't feel like going to night school. I, I don't know what to tell you." Oh, it's man. like I fucking read Dylan Thomas in the ninth fucking grade. Get the hell also, out of here with this yeah. shit. Yeah, I kind of anyway. enjoyed Interstellar. Just to finish out, not to talk too much about. It, I kind of enjoyed it, what? but at the at the end of the movie, 
I was kind of like, that was amusing because oh, yeah. it's clearly off the rails, and I will never ever watch it again. Because if I watch it a second time, I know it will. I will hate it, and every minute will seem like an. Oh yes, yeah. it's your one. Planet. It's your one stop shop for the white guy telling the women and the people of color about a black hole mid space by folding a piece of paper and sticking a pencil through it. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you Which guys they already get- did in that film. With yeah, the, um, uh, Sam Neill. Event one. Horizon. Yeah. That's yeah. the one. <laughs> yeah, Event when he, Horizon. When he's explaining the space. titular Event Horizon. Yeah. <laughs> a, a better space film than Interstellar. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, Event Horizon is also terrible, but better than Interstellar. That's true. Okay, guys. Here's the how. Question, the real question is: Event Horizon versus Hellraiser Four. Who did it best? That's good. But that's for another podcast. Oh God. So yeah, I'm not on. If I have anything to say about The Martian, not really. I guess if you're going to give the leading actor to a white guy sitting in a room by himself, I'd I'd go with Matt Damon. Pretty charismatic in this one. Yeah, Matt Damon's likability sales the whole film. If if it had been Tom Cruise, probably everyone would have just left. Yeah, Matt Damon between – if I had to nominate Matt Damon between this and Project Greenlight this season, I'd definitely go with The Martian. <laughs> uh, I'd probably go with him over everyone else. I, I didn't see Steve Jobs, so I can't say that. But of, of everything Ooh. I've seen uh, – and I'm not going to fucking sit through Trumbo because fuck that. But uh, – yeah, he's Seriously. a lot better than Redman. You've had very similar Gap- thoughts on these films that I have. I've also not seen Trumbo or uh, Steve Jobs. So. Well, I, if it's I from the Trumbo. director, if it's from the director of Austin Powers, I don't think I'm listening. To it. Who has the sirens? Oh, somebody's been raided here. It's not me. It's, it's not this time. Surpri- surprisingly, it's not Shorewood Nights. No, Nights. I live in the hood. Uh you, you talk about the director, the director of Austin Powers, turning on doing a more serious movie. But I mean, The Big Short. This got what? What's the name? Adam McKay or yeah, Adam McKay. Yeah. That's and true. that's that was a surprising success. I got hey, what admit. a transition! We got to do Hey, we can we can talk about both the white guys wearing ties movies at once. Ooh, good call. Um, <laughs> Big Short I'm, and Spotlight go. So, um, Big Short's better. Oh, here's here's what I would Agreed. say about Big Short. Big Short is troubling to me because I really did enjoy it. I thought it was a very well made film. Very, it distilled all of its details very very well. It was very entertaining. Uh, I did actually really enjoy it, but I cannot fathom ever watching that film again. I cannot really? fathom a Why? scenario. A, I just I just because it's about such a specific specific set of events about the the banking collapse and the stupidity that led up to it. Um, and just kind of detailing all of that, I you know, and there is a dramatic crux to it. I tour, I guess in the in the final moments, you know, with Steve Carell's character, who's kind of the conscience of the film, uh, realizing that he's pretty much he has he's part of the system too, etc. There there is that kind of dramatic turn within the film, but for the most part, the film to me felt kind of it's 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 funny, but it's kind of clinical. You know, it's kind of sure. it's, it's it's very okay. much telling. You know, kind of elaborating on details, and like it to me, it just felt like a kind of film that would be really useful in a classroom setting. But you know, that's, I just I, that's interesting because um, I feel like Adam McKay's aesthetic throughout, like, sort of was the antithesis of that for me. Like, so, like, so you take a movie like The Insider by Michael Mann, which is. Um, very much about one thing not as big of a thing but like one very huge thing in pop culture knowledge um and 
showing it in a in a like a smart but very like sort of like straightforward aesthetic. Um, I thought Adam McKay's um, direction did well to do it in sort of like this haphazardry like sense um, where like I guess that's why I would watch it again is that um, it's it didn't feel straightforward. It almost felt like nonlinear to me because his his uh, direction was like all over the place in a way that also felt reined in at the same time. No, like I fully agree. I think it's a very it's a very cleverly structured film. It's and it's not easy to do. And that's and it was one of the reasons I was surprised by how well Adam McKay of all people was doing because I, I can't think of any other film in his career that looks like this. And I mean, like what bizarre prospect that he he to get to make this film he apparently agreed to make Anchorman two, uh, which right. you know, it's kind of a, a strange trade off. But um, it, to me, it's just like it it. it does that to maintain interest and successfully does that and i really did enjoy it but it says there's nothing in the film once it's been explained to me that really would bring me back to it again and i'm you know it's just maybe that's kind of just how i felt about it. it's not i don't really it's not really a dig against the film per se but for me it's kind of like sure i don't know there's, there's just nothing there that really makes me want to go you know what i, I feel like i'm just gonna watch the big short again tonight you know i'm gonna pull yeah, that yeah. Movie off the shelf it's no fox catcher cool <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I thought like I I would watch it if it, it's like one of those movies that shows up on FX in two years and I'm happy yeah, to be flipping. Yeah. I'll be watching it. Why not? It's very entertaining. I was I think it's one of the my favorites of the this list, which is not the highest of praise, but uh, it is. I was really intrigued by it because it just doesn't speak the language of prestige film. It's just its own beast in this group. It's but, a very different thing. Can yes. we say that um, Christian Bale's performance for the first, I don't know, half, three quarters is abysmal? Yes. It's a little bit much on the quirk. But like he, he drums to Pantera and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's like, like whoa, I've never seen somebody with like a mental deficiency on film before. This is Christian Bale. How much weight do you think he like? How much muscle mass do you put on just for that role? He has like he's like he gouged actually, his own eye out. Yeah. He's like I only weigh I only weigh five pounds more now than when I started. But in the interim, I gained sixty pounds, lost a hundred, and then gained fifty five. Seriously, it's going. There's going to reach a point in our in our history where Christian Bale is going to have to lose like twenty pounds to play himself in an interview. on <laughs> <laughs> and and doing an english accent yeah yeah and, and he'll do he'll do it and everyone will will lose their shit over it they'll be like he's amazing <laughs> well hey what about the other white guys with ties movie we got to talk about spotlight it's got Snooze stanley light. tucci it's got the tooch baby Snooze light besides tucci from Snooze. the big night i, I uh, gotta spotlight? say i'd rather be watching the big night <laughs> I would say Spotlight. I in I watched in cinema and I wasn't bored for the film. It was like it strings together its events in a kind. Of, it's it's one of those films that orders a big story and kind of puts it together in a kind of successfully structured, semi-engaging fashion. It's never super engaging, but it's never like loses its way. It's a very compact, petite kind of a film in a way, in the way it puts everything together. But um, I do not understand why they made it. It's like thirty, like the, the 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 writing that pops up at the end of all these important. How many of the Oscar nominees or the Best Picture nominees ends with text on the screen telling us important stuff that happened? That's later a good on. question. Like, that's that's an on, that's how you know you're gunning for an Oscar when you have that text at the end. But um, like the text pops up at the end, just going 
this happened 13 years ago. And it's like, it took you 30, you're 13 years behind the curve with this film. Everyone knows pretty much what's in this film. Maybe they don't know all of the specifics, but everyone knows about the Catholic church and child sex abuse scandal and suppressing it and all of this. And wait, 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 wait. Rewind. What? <laughs> That was when, that was like my problem with the Revan is that it came two hundred years too late as far as the movie goes. <laughs> well, yeah, did you did you know life was hard on the American frontier? I had no I idea. Did, I did not. I did not know snow was cold either. Oh, holy shit! No, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of these films, I guess, tried too hard to like nail that down. When like the so spotlight juxtaposed with something like Call Me Lucky, which is a documentary about not exactly the same thing, but they cross they cross streams. Um, which uh, I guess if you haven't watched the documentary on Netflix, call me lucky, you should, but about the comedian who uh, interrogates these these systems of power. Um, it's not about the same thing that Spotlight is, but just like this mini part where it crosses over, like it, it means so much more to me uh, about um, the nefarious actions that are going on in the in the in the Catholic church than anything that comes across in spotlight in spotlight. W- when I watched it, I was just like, Oh wow. Good journalist. Cool. And th- that's yeah. it. It's like someone watched all the King's man. They were like, yeah, important stuff for white people. And that was, and that's the movie. It's like journalists do journalist jobs and it's really important. Let's make a movie in honor of them. And you know, when you make a movie in honor of something, generally that means you have no idea why you're making the movie. If, if I can this is- borrow, Sorry, Sean. Uh, Jack, if I can just borrow, I think I remember what you posted on your Facebook about this. Is that you said Spotlight was like a product? It's a it's a well made, well tailored product. It's a smooth operating machine, and all the parts are in place, and everyone's you know firing at the highest capacity. Except I don't really understand any of the praise Mark Ruffalo has received because he's the only right. one who seems to be he he's like he's really trying to put on a performance as opposed when to everyone else he just does, kind of being he natural. He does feel like he's acting, like he's acting hard. When right. do we get when do we get like Eternal Sunshine Mark Ruffalo back? That's what I want. You don't ever get him back. He's gone. <laughs> Recently, I was introduced to the 13 going on 30, which I'd never seen before. For uh-huh. It's probably involved. Wait, wait, wait. You mean 30? 30, 30 flirty, and thriving. He, that's right. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's what happens, uh, apparently. I'm past that now, so. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and Mark Ruffalo is obviously he's the male romantic lead in that. And I kind of, I was watching that, and I just kind of forgot that that's kind of was a thing Mark Ruffalo used to do. I well, think if you uh, want a good Mark Ruffalo performance, you can just go turn on Black Shutter Black. Island, and <laughs> <laughs> and it all comes back around. Yeah. Well, and and speaking of thirteen going on thirty, now Mark Ruffalo is the love interest in that movie, and it's about a thirteen-year-old girl who wants to be older, so she wakes up as a thirty-year-old girl. So isn't that kind of like Mark Ruffalo trying to fuck a thirteen-year-old? Well, unbeknownst to him, oh, I mean, it's time track. Well, I mean, okay, so just just because Mark Ruffalo didn't words, ask her how old she was. In the words of Kanye West, "Bill Cosby, innocent!" Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> oh God. Uh, okay, so as far as I, I guess I have a few thoughts on Spotlight to to try and reel us back from whatever the fuck that was. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I don't, I just, it was so unremarkable to me, but it, if I were going to like go down the Sean route there, it almost reminds me of like, if you're going to structure it as this investigation, I almost, it brings to mind like making a murderer or something like that, where there's got to be like a point where a movie structured around an investigation shocks you. And, 
And it, it this never shocks you because everyone yeah. already knows the fucking story. So it is, it's like, it's it's like it's, oh, here's a big reveal. It's like, yeah, I watched it's the like, it. It's like, you know? like an episode of Cold Case where the big revelation at the end is that the person's dead. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> reading, it's like reading Slate articles about 9-11 now. Pretty much. <laughs> and it... it as far as the craft, it's just so unremarkable to me. Like it has no visual style at all. It almost looks like a television movie it, with the world's greatest very, cast. Yeah, it's it's a very yeah, it's a very flat film. I mean, it's basically, it just takes place in under fluorescent lighting. Uh, like I say, when when I say it's very well made, I really mean that it condenses a lot of information into a very linear structure, which is really to say that it is it basically kind of it's. What, what a director like Peter Watkins would confer, would refer to as the monoform, which is basically like news media. You take no matter what the story is, no matter what the events or the details or the, the ingredients of a story are, you can cram it into the exact same format. Yeah, it's you know, like it, it, it getting nominated for Best Picture is like Don Draper yelling at Peggy Olsen for like wanting more um, recognition for doing her job. I, I, I again, it's it, it's okay. It wasn't boring compared to a lot of these. It was a real rip roaring adventure, but it I was literally fell asleep boring. during this movie. Oh I, uh, I was I I found it to be fine. It moved it. No, I watched the end. Okay, good, good, because otherwise you're not going to know about the Catholic <laughs> Church. <laughs> uh, they got Wait, that Liv Schreiber was good. High or something. I'll give oh. it up for Liv Schreiber. He was yeah, good. Yeah. He was a standout for me. Not the Tooch. <laughs> the touch is always good. Yeah, of course. It was just it, I couldn't take like one more shot of like every time they would find out something more about the scandal, the camera would just like pan to a fucking swing set with a couple kids on it. It's like Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I'm mostly I'm mostly for Rachel McAdams got an Oscar. She's nominated for Best Supporting Actress, I believe, for basically wearing a pantsuit and being in a film. <laughs> it's weird because like, I not- did that and put up a vine of it, and nobody nominated me for anything. That's that's the institutional corruption. <laughs> Clearly, you need to make one of those for your consideration movie. You, you know, kind of campaigns. Get that oh yeah, up. that's that's what you got to do. Get a hashtag trending yeah. or something. It's it's not it's not like she did anything wrong, but it says I can't. Like she was just a person in a movie, just kind of in the scenes where she was there. She was there, and she said the lines, and she didn't do anything to draw attention. Right. To so. Um... Sounds like spotlight in a nutshell, right? Like way better. Like, like, isn't there a better case for Charlize Theron in Mad Max than Rich McAdams, whether she was supporting or an actual like leading actress? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no question. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Spotlight is one where I tried. And I just I, I I just kept stopping, and I, I think I think I started and stopped like it like three times. Right? Yeah, more like stoplight. <laughs> and after the third stop, I was just like, "This is this is a sign that clearly I should not be watching this." And it was true. But hey, I I said we wouldn't get through everything. I think we're going to get through everything because we can still <laughs> talk about uh, the room with uh, you know oh, Tommy oh, Wiseau, uh, or, or you know we can talk about four rooms. <laughs> or- Oh no! Or, uh, a, a room, a room with a view. Actually, there's not much of a view. Just a, just a skylight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about room. Yeah, let's okay, talk so- about room. I, I, uh, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Here's why I was pleasantly surprised. First of all, uh, there is a, a cutesy little kid in it, and 
I didn't want to kill him most of the time, which is, that's a pretty big accomplishment in and of itself. And the second thing that really surprised me about this movie is it was not what I was, I thought it was going to be at all. I thought it was going to be just like endlessly bleak and horrible and like tortury and just a woman locked in a room for three hours or something. Uh, and then it, it wasn't. And I, like when, when they broke out, I was like, we're really like an hour in here. Like how, how does, uh, what, what's, what's going on? Is, isn't it just going to end? And I think a lot of movies in this situation would have just ended, but then we get what happens I, afterwards. I, um, I hadn't seen room, but I was kind of looking forward to it and I had heard good things. And a, a friend of mine, um, him and his girlfriend, uh, went to see it and they were, they, they went in blind, like knowing nothing. And they were just like, yeah, it's exhilarating. It's super hard to watch, blah, blah, blah. And I got really excited and, um, I watched it and I felt that way for like 45 minutes until the break, like when they break out and, uh, he's in the back of the truck and whatnot. Um, but post that, I felt like it really went off the rails. Um, and especially like, so like, yeah, it has this kid who's like not terrible at acting, which is like kudos to you. But, um, I feel like it ended up, um, the bane of this film was, was trying to tell the story through the eyes of the kids more than the actual mother. And I don't know how you guys felt, but I was just like, I wanted more of her, I wanted more of her POV than I did the kid. So Mm -hmm. like it ends with like the kid, like going through the room and saying like all this stuff about the sink and whatever, like, like reminiscing about the room and stuff like that. But, uh, I, I kept wanting to be like, what is this experience like adapting to reality through Mm -hmm. the mom's eyes and like how, because this, that's obviously to me, the most complex part of it is how do I navigate these waters, um, with a child who's gone through this stuff, who, who knows nothing else, but I know more than him Mm -hmm. and also having to deal with the family. And I feel like it never really indulged that. It it doesn't. I mean, again, this is based on a novel, um, and the novel right. is written. I believe is written entirely from the child's point of right. view. Right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I think part of the film's success is how because it's uh, the the author of the novel wrote the screenplay as well, so she translated it one for but, one. But but like you, when you're writing a book and it's all from the personnel, it's all from the POV of a kid. Like you don't have visual exposition. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I guess that's where, like, um, it comes to me as sort of like so, some sort of inconsistency. Like, we can see, like, all this stuff that the kid doesn't know about. Like, we're well, not, I think, we're not I think only having it yeah. filtered. Yeah. I think, I think that's the interesting, like, that's something I thought was interesting. I liked Room a lot. Um, and I'm a big fan of the director. He's, he's as, as someone who tries to keep an eye on Irish cinema, uh, Lenny Abramson, the director, is probably Ireland's best director right now. Um, and he's done, like, a spate of really interesting films. That did he do the Wind That Shakes the Barley? If not, I'm not interested. He, he did. That was Ken Loach. Oh, you know, see, that, Ken Loach. That, that was my one Irish film joke, and you took it from me, Sean. Thank <laughs> oh, you. Man. I stole it. No, I stole he did, it. He did do Frank, though, in 2014, which, oh, okay. uh, Frank, as far as I'm concerned, is still the best film I've seen from that year. I thought Frank was absolutely magnificent. I think it's probably his best film. But I think Steve uh, Coleman is a Frank fan. Yeah, honestly, it's better than Amadeus. I'm just gonna say it right here. <laughs> okay, hold on. Yeah, that's is it better? Wait, wait. Is it is it as good as Amistad? I'm uh, <laughs> never bothered watching that because I just don't get off on whipping scenes. Is it as good as Shutter Island? Ooh, it's that's a close call. Um, I mean, I don't know who wore the big head best. <laughs> okay, so Jack, why do you like Room? But but Room for me, um, I feel that. It, 
Lenny Abramson's films generally focus on social outsiders. That's kind of been a focus through from his earliest films like Adam and Paul and Garage, which were about like Adam and Paul was about two heroin addicts in Dublin City. Uh, Garage was about a kind of a simpleton country boy who kind of gets wrapped up in events he doesn't understand that eventually kind of destroy him. They're kind of they're people on the fringes of society, people that society doesn't protect appropriately so uh, Room felt like uh, felt like a natural progression because it's basically a child who's literally so outside society doesn't even know society exists uh, which is probably the most extreme example you could conjure up for that um, it follows entirely in the, the child's perspective and I mean I, I didn't have a problem with that I think, it, I think there would be a, a separate interesting film that you could make from the mother's perspective but i didn't have a problem with it really just using the child as the anchor because it left this interesting situation of that you are aware as a viewer that there are other things happening uh, i mean there's a um william h macy plays the father of the of brie larson yeah, and he's just kind of he clearly he can't accept it he can't like he just can't get I, over i even that. felt like that was undeveloped but but the thing it was undeveloped and it's undeveloped I think because the child doesn't understand what's happening and it was kept away from him. Again, we're specifically we're being shielded away from details. I think it's just an interesting authorial touch. Now you know if you want to pursue those lines of inquiry, you kind of have to. It's it's more introducing them rather than uh, you know following. Them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, I think I, I think that, that was an interesting element. Yeah, and that that kind of pops up again too when um, Brie Larson's character is fighting with her mom. And they, they kind of get in this shouting match, and the kid is just sort of sitting there watching it happen. And there's this one part where, you know, Brie Larson is struggling with raising her kid, and, you know, she doesn't want him sitting in front of a screen all the time. She wants him to go do things and play with things and, you know, try and have the, the childhood that he should have had before this. And at one point, she screams at her mom, you know, maybe if you wouldn't have taught me to be so fucking nice, I wouldn't have gotten, you know, captured the first place, and blah, blah, blah. And you just kind of have this really awkward moment where you're just sort of like watching your parents fight. And I think the film does a really good way of kind of conveying that unease and that awkwardness while at the same time sort of shedding light on, on Brie Larson's characters, just all of her anxieties about parenting and what she has to do now that she's outside of, you know, confinement. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I feel like that the agency of the child sort of came and went as, as um, I guess the film pleased, right? Like, like with with certain situations with um the grandparents like mm-hmm. it seemed to be shouldered more onto um the mother but like i don't know i don't know i didn't i didn't feel like there was sort of any sort of consistent um point of view and then it shifts back to the kid when it's like most um convenient emotionally to convey when it's like oh here's the sink here's the bed blah 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 at the end of the movie and i was just like i don't care about this. I, yeah, see, I, I don't know. I think, I don't know if it, if it like necessarily tries to fluctuate between being from the kid's point of view and not from his point of view. But there's mm-hmm. certain there's certainly moments where they emphasize it more than in other scenes. But sure, I, 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 I almost that. yeah, I almost prefer it that way because I feel like if it was just like constant child voiceover narration, then I would want to throttle him. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's it's nice that it's just sort of sprinkled in. In there I, I was saying that I didn't really fixate on the perspective because I was absorbed in the film. I thought it was easily the best uh, of this slot of films. And uh, it like really. Uh, uh, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, it, it got right to my crusty old heart right there. I thought it was <laughs> a 
I thought it was a great film, and it took this monstrous scenario that could have been just a bleak, miserable film, and it couched it in this child's, basically, naivety. And, uh, yeah, it made it this experience. Like, you're just seeing the world through someone's eyes in a way that you can't go back and experience life yourself. And it did ring true to me, and I just thought it was really touching, and it captured that sort of spirit of childhood in a way that... uh, boyhood really tried to last year and didn't for me huh i really liked room a lot and i think a couple things i don't think the room would be as good as it is if it weren't for the strength of the performances um brie larson and jacob tremblay are both phenomenal in this movie uh second i i read the novel before i saw the film oh um oh what do you want what do you want for that uh, do you have any copies of Shutter Island? You can, <laughs> Jake. That's what you see. I just got my wife to do that for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it. She read Brooklyn, but she, um, she, she reads all of the Irish novels that I don't read. <laughs> she's like, I can't wait for the Gathering to become a film. It's, uh, it's she's read that. Yeah, yeah. She if that if that comes if that's made into a film, we'll be there. Yeah, she, she, she gave me that book to read too, and I haven't yet. Uh, so we'll get to that. Yeah, the thing I'm saying, though, about Room is that it's a very difficult film to discuss with somebody who has not seen it and doesn't know anything about it. Yeah. Because you don't want to go past the escape. And otherwise, it doesn't sound like it would be make for a very good film of just this mother and her child locked in a room where she's raped at night while he hides in a closet. Hey, speak for um, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that's a problem that a lot of the trailers had, too, especially as, you know... It, got closer to its release date more trailers came out where it showed more of the scenes outside of the room and i don't think mm-hmm. that anybody should really go in knowing what happens because the movie really kind of begins after they escape although yeah, both absolutely. halves are excellent yeah, yeah i mean the, the earlier parts of the film are there's just that horrible tension and where they have those shots the window and you're just wishing someone's face would appear on the other side of that window that someone would have a look in somehow and see mm-hmm. them and rescue them i mean it's it i think it successfully captured that claustrophobia and then captures the fact that when they're released when they become free it's the the freedom comes with circumstances we might not have considered you know i mean it just have things like the child learning that five-year-old child learning to go up and down stairs it's just a little aside within the film but you know something you wouldn't think of but yeah that's something most of us nail down pretty early but you know you gotta when you live in a one single room it's not really a thing yeah well i think i think you brought up a good point too jake where it's difficult to sort of explain this to someone because, well, one, I, it's tough for me to be like, oh, yeah, and the kid is great, and it's from the kid's perspective, like, because child actors are usually horrible and they derail everything, uh, and that's not the case here. And then the other thing is, is if you just sort of give them a baseline plot, it basically sounds like an Eli Roth movie. I mean, <laughs> you can't really... Yeah, yeah. I, there's not much I, you can I've do with it there. I've trying for a couple of months to convince my mother to watch this because I'm like, yeah, you'd love it. It's uh, really touching. And, uh, but it, yeah, it's about a woman getting trapped in a room and raped. Yeah. <laughs> one, one, thing, one thing I did notice about the movie, just as a random aside, is that I did notice from the license plate that it is set in, in Ohio. So I guess they're piggybacking off uh, that whatever that guy's name was. That oh, the, B, the BTK. B, no, not BTK. Uh, what's not his Jason name? Dolan. B2K, no, no, my favorite 90s R&B group. Yeah, yeah, that, that scenario there in Ohio. Um, 
No, the, what was Manuel Ortega or something? I don't remember the guy where they rest where the passerby rescued like three women from his house. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm all locked in his basement. Suicide while in custody. So I just noticed that that it's I don't know where the the book is based, but I mean the that's what she is, partially based it on. And, and this, yeah, I I went to a Q and A with um, her, Brie Larson, and the director there, and she said <laughs> that when. What? Yeah. <laughs> West Coast living, Sean. Yeah, and then he, he. She discussed when she was she was hearing about this on the news, and she had a one year old and a three year old time, and she just does not know how she could have handled life if that had happened to her. And um, it's just something she just really well took a lot of time researching and wrote a wrote a novel out of it. And now here we are. I, and now it's not going to win Best Picture. No, no, no. no there's no way. Yeah. I, I, I guess like I adapted by, screenplay, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I stand by the idea that um, I can't, I can't get past the idea if you're going to show it from the kid's point of view that there's a central flaw in the conceit that a visual medium is going to show that sort of claustrophobia when you're like, or, or not, not even claustrophobia, but lack of exposition. Like there's an inherent exposition in just showing this world that as viewers, you know so much about. Um, so I just, the whole time I couldn't help but think like, why can't we, like it would mean so much more to me to see it from the mother's point of view because we can relate to her and, sort of like, I guess, um, afford her struggle as she tries to explain this to her kid. Mm -hmm. So the takeaway is that Sean is a monstrous man dispossessed of empathy. (laughs) He is, he is. And, you know, I empathize so much with Alison Bree, just not with that twerp. You know, I thought that... (laughs) That twerp... (laughs) I, I thought that you you would really empathize with this movie because you know after they leave the uh, the titular room and they have to wear sunscreen and sunglasses because they're so pale. You know, I thought because you have a tiny little Grinch heart, so you're very pale because the blood doesn't flow properly through your body. That that you would really empathize with that. But you know, what do I know? I'm sorry. You know what? I'm really sorry to come through on this. One. You know what? We're we're gonna do something a little different Let's this time. Move around. on to yeah, to absolutely nothing because th- those are all the movies. So oh, yeah. what we're gonna do is instead of putting something over this week. I want you just real quick. Okay, now now I got the sirens coming over towards me. Instead of putting something over this week, I want you to tell me what do you think is going to win the best picture, and what's your pick for best picture? Steve Jobs. For both, both answers for both. I think it's going to win. It's not nominated for best. It's not nominated. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's going to win though. Just uh, just a write-in campaign. I think. His I think Mike, find a way to I win think, an Oscar. I, yeah, nominated. I think it's going to win, and I think Michael B. Jordan is also going to win. Hmm. Um, call me crazy, but you know where there's a will, there's a way. Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, did you guys see Steve Jobs? That was about the guy who invented the iPod. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> Never heard of it before. They've told it twice already. Actually, they told it three times because uh, yep. Funnier Die did a version on Netflix. Oh, there you go. More like Thrice Pod. <laughs> oh Lord. So. That's that's a great answer. Myros, what do you got for me? Uh, what's going to win? Uh, probably The Revenant. I think the only other contender is really Spotlight, right? But, uh, yeah, that's a long yeah. shot to me. Right, yeah. I think pretty much everything is just a long shot to The Revenant, which is mystifying. But What about – hey? I think we all can kind of agree The Revenant might take home. What if we all – what's a best picture you would have liked to have seen yes. nominated? let's do this. 
Well, for we, me, what I would have liked to Sorry see, to take the reins, Stephen. Hey, it's it's all right. It's all right. Well, sometimes our host has his shortcomings. Uh, <laughs> Very rarely. I, I would probably nominate, uh, and again, I, I thought we'd talk more about this, but uh, Anomalisa. It wouldn't be my pick to win, but I like it a lot better than all these Best Picture nominees. And, uh, I am. I, I would say of of 2015 and films that I've seen, uh, Tangerine is by far and away the best American film I've seen. Yes, good um, choice. I would say I, I think Tangerine. Obviously, it's a it's a shot on iPhones about transsexual prostitutes. The Academy's not ever good. They, they they'll never do. They probably have to wipe <laughs> down every seat before they cast their ballots for that or can't <laughs> baby wipes because it's just so awful to them. <laughs> um, so no, it was never gonna, it was never going to be nominated. Obviously, you'd have, it doesn't have any major backing on it. But I thought Tangerine is a, is a really great film uh, that is not at all represented, which isn't at all surprising. Um, I think the, I think The Revenant will probably win Best Picture. It seems to be going that way, and I would just say that The Revenant to me is just a fantastic joke because everyone laughs at Gaspar Noé for his films with cameras spinning and overly elaborate depictions of like sex and everything and he's a pornographer but when uh, Inyaritu does it with some Indian stabbing white folk suddenly it's like it's it's reality and it's it's Oh wait 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 did Gaspar Noé did did he do that new Netflix series love yeah, that's it. <laughs> it would be great to mix those up and show someone one they wanted to watch the other one. Oh lord! John Apatow presents yeah. Gasper. <laughs> I saw that movie. Oh god! I well, watched- if I want to watch a revenge movie, I'd sure as shit watch Irreversible any day over the fucking. Is it? Is it? Yeah, is love fair. worth watching, Jake? Um, it's not great. <laughs> Doesn't somebody like like blow a load right on a camera lens or something? Oh, it's it's I'm sure. In the That's... the first shot of the movie is a is a guy getting jerked off on screen until he comes and then there's a since it was shot in 3D there's a a 3D <laughs> shot of, of oh, coming nice. out. That's it's exactly like if only cool. if only we could have seen yeah. short bus in 3D. <laughs> exactly. It's I, I don't know. I think it was just Gaspar Noé seeing well, what he's he, a troll. he can get away with. Like he's, he's a great troll. I, I, I admire Gaspar Noé because he has a sense of humor even when he oh. makes like Enter, Enter the Void is not a great movie but it's got some really hilarious things where like they follow a body into a crematorium and then it the camera watches it being burned up and then goes down straight into an ashtray in another building. I, I would dispute that. I think It's the first it, time I've heard Enter the Void and hilarious in the same sentence. <laughs> I would dispute that and I'd say Enter the Void is actually great. It, but and, love and is really... It's yeah. Really, a troll with love. I don't know what he was doing with Steve Cuff. Don't you have an opinion on this? Uh, yeah, I like Enter the Void. I think it's a lot of fun. It's good. Steve, high five. But if you've ever, when when I say Gaspar Noé is a, is a troll, I think uh, I mostly think like his segment he did in movie just Destricted. I don't know if anyone see it. It's like a compilation of sex movies that was made to challenge censorship. And Gaspar Noé's literally he makes a twenty minute nearly unwatchable film that ends with just a terrible <laughs> joke. It's. It is hilarious. It's like Jean <laughs> Goddard at his at his apogee of assholedom <laughs> cinema. It's like it's yeah, a man. I've seen I've seen Weekend before. We, <laughs> there, which one? Goddard's. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, if Goddard could have made that film in the sixties, he probably would have. Like, like literally, his seg- Gaspar Noé segment in Destricted is like a guy humping a doll in a room <laughs> with a strobe light constantly going for 20 minutes with this weird sound and then at the end it just like writes up something on screen like everyone fucks alone and that's the movie what yeah that's it is brilliant. clearly it is spoiler like, alert 
I know that ruined the whole thing for me. Way to go! So, so it's it's and, and that's the thing. And Inyaritu is like apparently a serious artist for the Revenant, and I just think he honestly, Gaspar Noe is so much better at being like Inyaritu doesn't know he's a troll, but he is, and Gaspar Noe knows he's a troll, and he cracks some jokes. <laughs> I mean, even still, I I like Inyaritu, but Gaspar Noe is way more of a serious artist than Inyaritu. Oh yeah, well. Jack Jack. Next, you're gonna start spoiling Chantel Ackerman's uh, Jean Dielman. I hear she's a lady. I just—I don't know. I've actually not watched that yet. I—I feel bad. I have not gone around to watching that. And Chantel Ackerman died last year. I was like, yeah. You watch her. You watch her like at a table or whatever for like three and a half hours, and then she dies. Um, oh well, now I'm not even going to fucking bother, am I? <laughs> that's not. That's but you, not you're not. You, if you don't watch it, you don't feel the full feminist uh, um, feeling and uh, the 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 spectrum that she's working from. Next thing you're uh, going to tell me about Darth Vader being someone's father. <laughs> uh, my pick. Uh, Wait, I, I thought you you already had your pick. No, I didn't. Is it, no, was, no, it was this Steve was Jones. a late addition to the oh, late Myra edition. Okay, uh, Melissa. Uh, um, say something. I I think I just reiterated that the uh, I would like Tangerine to win, but yeah, honestly, Tangerine. Uh, I would I would say just to add, I think if the Oscars can do anything right, I would love to see George Miller win Best Director. That oh, would at least God. be something he For deserves. Babe? It. Yes, um, if, he if is. We, he is the president of the. Time. Yeah, he is the president of the Can Jury, though, which I think is a nice consolation prize. That, that's oh, good. Yeah, he'll be the president of the Can this year. Yeah, but I just feel Mad Max is clearly was a technical triumph. It's it's kind of opening a new epoch of digital action cinema. It's just great fun. Uh, I just think like he he's probably not going to win. It's probably probably Inuritu. is probably going to get it again for standing in the cold for longer. <laughs> and that's basically you know. But that's it, the Revenant is a real Oscar film. I feel it's just one of those movies that if you don't give any thought to it whatsoever, you look at it and you go, yeah, it looks like they did a lot of work, and that's that's the movie. Um. Yeah, what do you what do you got for us, Sean? Uh, I don't think it was nominated for anything, although it should have been nominated for actress um, and film. Is uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl starring Bill Pulley? Mm-hmm. Did anybody see this? I, yeah, I, I, I did. It's good, but I didn't see it. I read the book it, actually. I I just pulled a Jake on you there. You read the book, and Jake, you saw the film. I did. I really really liked it. Yeah, this movie's amazing. She's terrific. Yeah, uh, uh, I can say our Sean and Jack, our mutual friend Evan on Facebook, he uh-huh. fucking, he fucking hated it. Well, it's probably pretty good then. Uh, he gave it a he, he so much so when he posted his Facebook um his his IMDb ratings on Facebook, he gave this film a one out of ten. Oh, I, I have ten with 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 that with him. I find if he says a movie is good. Good chances it's a good movie. If he says a movie is bad, it's fifty fifty. <laughs> so everything's all right. Um, yeah. So, Diary of a Teenage Girl. So it's about this sixteen-year-old, uh, played by Bell Poli, who's much older than that uh, in real life. But um, and it's about her sexual awakening in the seventies of San Francisco um, through uh, her mother's boyfriend. Her mother is played by Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig, and um, <clears throat> her boyfriend and her start this relationship. Um, and it's the way that it it goes about this very sensitive subject through the subjectivity of the 16-year-old daughter is, like, am- amazing. And uh, Belle Poli just – she's fantastic in it. And it's the movie that um, has stuck in my head the longest and just, to me, has um, been, like, the most um, 
I, I would I would impart to other people as the most like worth watching movie of 2015. Yeah, I I, I really like the. Uh, it's actually I, I said book. It's a graphic novel, uh, but I uh, I really love it. It's really good. So I'm, you knew he didn't read an actual book. <laughs> no, you, you think with like all those words and stuff. Is it? Is it? Wait, wait, wait. By graphic cliff no- notes novel, do you mean like it's a bunch of people in the? It's a bunch of drawings of somebody in the corner, and you just flip through it, and they're like having sex with somebody. That's it. Actually, I was I was going to talk about that. Like uh, the movie that I'd like to see win Best Picture would be a uh, a flip book of Charlotte <laughs> Rampling naked, just just you know, in various poses. <laughs> the reverse racist Charlotte. <laughs> right. I just I just want to watch her gyrate naked for forty five uh, years, years straight. We didn't talk about that. Uh, we're not going to talk about was, that. Yeah, it, that was uh, honestly actually I I was kind of disappointed by that. I I thought it's a very good movie, but it wasn't. It didn't blow bulb, kind of bowl me I, over. I felt I the same way. The ending was very that. good, but it but, was. Yeah, yeah, that last shot. I love, it's everything. I love, I love Wikipedia because in Wikipedia they just have a line tacked on at the end that says uh, the last shot has been likened to the long Good Friday. That's like <laughs> what? I mean. That makes sense. I mean, in that it's a shot of a person's face and kind of this kind of series of emotions. But one of them is about a woman and her marriage, and the other right. one is about a dude who's about to be offed by the IRA. I'm yeah. not really sure how you like just drop that in there with no context. Like, yeah, these movies are if you you know they're like each other. They've been basically the same thing. That's so much. weird. You don't. That's. Uh, Wikipedia descript- or plot descriptions don't have that usually. Uh, 45 years is good, but it's definitely not what I hoped it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His last film, Weekend, uh, which is not by Goddard, is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, what? It's, it's a better film. I thought Weekend, his, his previous film, which is one of the reasons I built up, I had ho- really high hopes for 45 years. I think his last film, Weekend, uh, was, is absolutely stupendous. Is a really I, great I have that, but I haven't watched it. Did you watch his HBO series, Looking? I have not yet. I'll track it down, though. Mostly, again, it's off nice. strength. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, the only weekends I watch are the ones with Bernies in them. Um, hey. uh, who, who else? So, who else we got here? Has everybody gone around yet? Or we still got? Myros, I didn't go. Oh, oh. Myros went I first. Went. Yeah, Myros went first. All right, Jake, what do you got for me? Um, uh, Jack, I like that you said Tangerine. I really, really, really like the film. Um, but if I were to go one that I think should have been nominated for Best Picture Oscar, I gotta say I love The Hateful Eight. I think it's one of Tarantino's most entertaining movies in years. Uh, it, everything about it, I think, is fantastic. Um, I don't really have much more to say. But other it than is that, a I lot it. of fun. I, th- I think it, it is, is a film that, honestly, I'm kind of the same way. I really enjoyed it. I just it fits together really, really well. I couldn't like. I don't think it's a. It's not a really deep movie. It's not a movie that movie that's really there to be deconstructed or analyzed. I think it's just a really solid, fun film. Yeah, I just my favorite thing about it was it it was you know shot in seventy millimeter or whatever, and then the entire thing takes place inside of a little log cabin. It was it was great. It's a nice touch. (laughs) It's a nice touch. Keep them at bay. Hey, that's right. Uh, Well, you know, for me, you guys named pretty much everything that wasn't nominated that I really enjoyed. Tangerine uh, specifically, and and the hateful eight. Love the Danish girl. Love it. Love Eddie Redmayne. Oh my god! If he could only combine his characters from the Danish girl and the theory of everything into one super character, getting Steve Hardmane. Oh. How about I those guess, two performances and Jupiter Ascending? Oh you my got god! The, the Holy Trinity. 
Yeah. <laughs> At some point, Eddie Redmayne should gain the next year to to get another Best Actor nomination. He should probably gain the exact amount of weight so he can match weight with Christian Bale. Mm. <laughs> they can, and then they can play each other. <laughs> I actually I like that as a movie. <laughs> it's called uh, yeah, Thinspo, the, 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 the fictional film. Oh lord, <laughs> I, I really yeah. I, I really like Creed, which is the only other movie I can think of that I really, really enjoyed that I didn't see. I, I know Sylvester Stallone got a Best Supporting nod. Is that correct? He he's did. He's the only nomination, I think. Which is that. totally weird, because I don't know how you can watch that fight sequence that's all one take and not be like, all right, Best yeah, Director, come on. <laughs> that's a stellar piece of piece of work. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It was yeah, jaw-dropping. I don't, I don't know. I, my, my only problem with Creed uh, is, because I thought it was a really good movie, is that I think it, it, nodded, it, it nodded back to Rocky when it should have just kind of carved its own path. Would you say it was fighting in Rocky's shadow? <laughs> no, I wouldn't, because that's that's borderline well, like, There has to be a movie that Creed. There has to be a movie that Creed. Um, I guess in an alternate, less racist society, would have replaced like Room, right? Like it has to like easily slot in over one of those best picture films, right? Like Room seems like the one that somehow snuck in. Well, yeah, but they got to have their indie darling thing. I don't know. If they were going to get rid of one, I would think it would oh. maybe be like uh, Bridge of Spies. Yeah, Bridge okay. of Spies. Yeah, that, that would okay. probably be the okay. one to get rid of. So yeah. put in Creed because Creed is like super stereotypical or like prototypical like Oscar film, right? Like it, it just succeeds at doing that without really like seeming to have that affect. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think yeah. Creed's problem is it's on the surface – it's just your standard issue sports action blockbuster film. And I'm guessing that a lot of people that are on the Academy didn't even bother to watch Creed. Whether or not they were given a screener, it, it doesn't matter. Like it, That's definitely the kind of movie where they didn't have an Oscar campaign behind it. And I, I guarantee none of the people in the Academy saw it. Or a good, I shouldn't say none. A good amount of people didn't see it. There, there is a chance Sylvester Stallone got his nomination because people already knew who he was. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and when you think about it, too, it's like, well, geez, I wonder why uh, Transformers 9 didn't get any, you know, nominations. Well, that's because nobody fucking watched it, and if it got special effects nominations, then I'm sure the Academy saw the trailer and was very impressed. Well, no, well normally s- gets, they get sound editing. That's that's like yeah. the Michael Bay Award for being the loudest film. <laughs> I, ma- I mentioned that in the Oscar thing I wrote. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, and plus, like, uh, maybe there's something about uh, between the 70s and now, the idea of best picture. I mean, I don't know how much I, ad- I adhere to this um, hypothesis, but, like, maybe the idea of what, what was a best picture in the 70s has changed between then and now. And something like Rocky, like this sort of, like, sports film, for lack of a better term, is not exactly what fits their aesthetic now. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think that's definitely the case. And especially, I would say, maybe in the last, like, 20 years or so. It the the landscape of what a you know a best picture Oscar nominee is has, has really changed significantly. So uh, you know what, guys, we got to wrap this up. We're running a little bit long here. So, gentlemen, thank you again for being on the show. Uh, despite the lack of baked potato jokes, Myros didn't bring his A game, which is just total bullshit. Uh, there goes our entire fan base. But hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you want to listen to more podcasts, we have a whole bunch of them. We also have some amazing articles. We have another Oscar article that's going to be coming up this week. Uh, and you can find that all on optimismvaccine.com. Also, please make sure that you go to iTunes, that you write a review and you rate us, you give us five stars. 
uh, because that helps our visibil- visibility. And when we have more visibility on iTunes, more people listen, and then we can do more fun podcast stuff for you. So, uh, Jake, where can people find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at Lance Stargrove. And, uh, yeah, it's spelled exactly like how it sounds. Cool. Yeah. Works for me. Myros, where can people find you on Tinder? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'd rather they didn't. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, uh, Jack, is there is there an Irish social media network that you're a member of? I assure you, I stay away from most of the Irish people. The brogue. The oh, it's just no. Well, half the Irish community is Americans who are very interested in being Irish. Who ask me how much I, you know, how do you feel about politics that haven't been relevant for 150 years? Uh, like, indifferent, yeah. and that's most of the conversation. So um, I, I'm not on the internet. Unless, like I don't most of my crap on Facebook. So and that's not much good to most people. So, hey, um, but they I'm can on, they I'm can on, read you on Optimism Vaccine though. They, they can read me on Optimism Vaccine. I've got some vague twitterings from years back on on my amazingly titled blog, Concentric uh, Ocelot Party, which is a, <laughs> I can't think of good names for blogs. So that happened. You know, it's um, a great name when he can't even remember it. Yeah, it, I had a little stumble in the middle. Concentric ocelot party. It just rolls off the tongue. It really does. It's no optimism vaccine. Let's be honest. Come on. No, that's actually that's actually. I'm jealous of that. That's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit highbrow. Uh, but yeah, I'll I'll be around. You know. Sounds good, Sean. Where do we find you? You can find me all over the Fazoli's subreddit, posting all about free breadsticks. Nice. Crush that spaghetti, baby. <laughs> Uh, well, we we can also find you on Twitter at Mr. Glennis, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so most of the stuff I post on the on the Fazoli subreddit just gets filtered automatically to my Twitter account. Mm, that's M R G L I N I S. Wait, who breadsticks better, Olive Garden or Fazoli's? Oh, get out! Haha, <laughs> <laughs> trick out. question. It's Carabas, bitch. Hey. <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Steve Cuff. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week.